Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello. Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, you're listening to a brand new episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, where this week we're reviewing Disenchanted, plus covering off all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Tim Ifland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. We do. And in Disenchanted, 15 years after her happily ever after, Giselle questions her happiness, inadvertently turning the lives of those in the real world and Andalasia upside down in the process. Disenchanted is directed by Adam Shankman from a screenplay by Bridget Hales and a story from J. David Stem, David N. Weiss, Richard Legravenous, and based on characters created by Bill Kelly. Disenchanted stars Amy Adams, Patrick Dempsey, Maya Rudolph, Gabriella Baldacchino, James Marsden, and the wonderful <laughs> Idina Menzel, <laughs> Adele Dazeem. The one and only, wickedly talented Adele Dazeem. <laughs> the poor woman. The poor woman is going to have that following around forever just oh, because we keep doing it. God bless John Travolta. I love her so much. <laughs> and Idina okay. Menzel. Yeah. Right, where do we start with Disenchanted? I guess my question to you is, are you a fan of the original film from 2007, Enchanted? A hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been 15 years since we've seen that film. In the magical world of Enchanted, it mm. hasn't quite been that long, has I it? I think it's been 10. They establish it's been 10? Yes. Or are we unsure because it wasn't made explicitly clear? No. I'm not too sure. Along with a lot of other Along things. Along with many <laughs> other things. Oh no, here we go. <laughs> I don't know where to start with this film. Where do we start? I think let's start with, I appreciated, because it had been so long since Enchanted mm. and a while since I've seen the film, Yeah. the film opens with 
a kind of an abridged recap of the first one, yep. which was handy for me. And that exposition was cleverly disguised and justified because you have a squirrel from Andalasia telling his children <laughs> the story of Giselle and where she's up to now living in New York with her family. Yes, moving to the suburbs. Yes, moving to the suburbs. Just on that, mm-hmm. were you convinced by the reason after all this time that Giselle didn't feel at home in New York anymore and she needed to go and find, I guess, another happily ever after, another fairy tale life? Well, I guess it's never really been her home, has it? I That's mean, true. Yeah, they don't dive into the reasons very well. They kind of give a superficial, you know, montage of yes. things aren't quite happy, things are busy, big city life, blah, 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 let's move to suburbia. Yeah, and it plays out like one of those cringe family sitcoms where you've got the disgruntled teenage daughter who doesn't want to leave You have Mm -hmm. Patrick Dempsey's character of Robert, who is so out of his depth. He's like the city-living slicker guy. Mm. I feel like them as a family weren't really all on the same page as Giselle to move, and it happened quite abruptly. But they all did it anyway. They all did it anyway. I mean, as a family, that's nice to see, but then chaos ensues, doesn't it? I think what the original film did so well was it subverted that fairy tale dynamic. Yes. And it was just funny, and it was whimsical. Yeah. This film has a good idea to explore it's all about what happens after you're happily ever after Mm. in the real world with everyday challenges and I really like that exploration it's got a bit of a subplot to do with stepmothers and stepdaughters and the relationship there but it never dives into them no very effectively you just get the cliched you're not my real mother you're my stepmother and then everyone's upset and triggered by that Mm. understandably but you're right it doesn't really offer much depth to that relationship and how it could be fleshed out into something quite beautiful Mm. in in a way, which I think is what I was expecting here, especially when she's grown up with the young Morgan. You think they would have a really tight relationship as stepmother and daughter. It seems to have not really turned out that way. Well, they kind of do, but then all of a sudden it changes really quickly. That's actually true. You're right. It's hard to believe. Yeah character development or lack of character development that's going on there. Yes. There's a lot of threads thrown into this movie too that are just never touched on again. So Mm. once they move to Monroeville, Mm -hmm. as it's called, you know, there's a romantic courtship for Morgan, who's like the quirky lead with the popular boy. Yeah. That's never touched on again. Never. (laughs) Not until, and this is, you know, we're trying to stay spoiler free, not until the end where it's like, oh yeah, they kind of dug each other at the beginning of the movie. Let's go back to that. Let's just go back to that in the final moment of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You've also got an evil queen of sorts, played by Maya Rudolph, Mm -hmm. and the stepsisters, played by... Yvette Nicole Brown and Jama Mays. Yes. And, but they've got nothing to do in this film. And I just didn't believe that she's referred to, Maya Rudolph's character referred to as, she's like the queen of the town. So Is she the owner or the mayor or something? Because her name was, a, was Monroe. She was a real estate agent. Maybe there's a family legacy where the town was named after her and there's just that sort of old money. I don't know, I'm making this up. Yeah. No, it's not <laughs> they explained. Don't, they don't mention it. But why in modern day now in the world, why does, and look, I know, it's a Disney movie, it's a fairy tale, mm-hmm. it's not real, but why does a woman like that exist and have these minions around her? Like mm. it just seemed really jarring that you would believe that these sorts of characters were so cold to new people coming in yeah. and having that quote-unquote control and influence and yeah. everyone's terrified of them. I think what they were trying to do was set up this competitive dynamic between the sweet totally. 
new arrival of Giselle mm. and, you know, the mayor slash owner slash whoever she was of the town. <laughs> but again, they never come back to that. They never no. explore it in any kind of detail. And look, yeah, this is Disney. It's not a drama. It's not a heavy thing. But sure. there should be those human underlying threads because that's what mm. makes a good story. Exactly. Uh, you know what? I also liked the concept behind the film when magic goes wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And when fairy tale logic gets applied to certain situations and relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Giselle seen as now the stepmother moving forward and mm. the daughter who hates the stepmother and she becomes some sort of like Cinderella Rapunzel hybrid Does she hate character. the stepmother though? Like they don't interact much after that. Well, see, this is the thing. Let's go down this rabbit hole because when the spell happens where Giselle uses this magic wand that gets mm. introduced to their new baby, I don't know why the baby was gifted <laughs> this yeah. all-powerful magic wand frivolously into the mix, but anyway, that set up the whole fucking movie, so I guess it needed to be there yeah but Giselle seemed to be the only one who knew what was going on and was going in and out of the Giselle stepmother thing everyone else just became the fairy tale archetype character no realization of what was going on and I was confused that why one or two of the talking animals knew what was going on but no one else did yeah (laughs) Uh, but then Maya Rudolph's character mentions something and I I wrote something down I was like did she reference that she knew exactly what was happening there but before you had no Mm. inclination that she was even aware that there was a spell on the town that I had a real problem with that was a plot hole consistent plot hole that just poked so many what is what's your expression there Swiss cheese yeah what is that (laughs) Swiss cheese yeah Yeah, more holes than Swiss cheese yeah yeah it's trying to shoehorn all these fairy tale elements into a story when they don't quite work or it doesn't gel quite properly Mm. and I want to call out Bridget Hales who wrote the screenplay uh, was a story editor writer for a long time on Once Upon a Time. Do you remember that series? Yeah. And you can tell. Oh, right. Like it's the same sort of shoehorning all these fairy tale elements in instead of yes. it flowing really nicely. Yeah. Yeah, I go, I, the style is very much Once Upon a Time. I can feel that yes. in the way it comes across. I'm glad you pointed that out because when I was looking at who's who in the zoo, who wrote what, who shot what, who directed mm-hmm. what, where they come from, that was one stat that stood out. I was like, ah. Once Upon a Time. Yeah. It really feels like that TV but show. But do you know what? I loved Once Upon a Time. The first couple of seasons were really fantastic in the way they did subvert those fairy tales and put them into the real world and it was mm. all very interesting. But then they ran out of steam because there's only so much you can do and only so many ways you can shoehorn different fairy tale characters into a story before yes. it becomes like a soap opera. And what Once Upon a Time does successfully in its earlier seasons, they have time to plant those seeds. Yes. But in Disenchanted, you have this overbloated two-hour movie where they're just throwing anything at the wall and hopes that it sticks Mm. and you're left a bit sort of like fuzzled at the end. There's also three random gardeners who later on turn into (laughs) the three fairies that, again, have nothing to do. Where did they come from? (laughs) I don't know. So bizarre. I don't think they even had lines. Maybe one of them did, but... I don't remember. So strange. So strange. You know, it's so interesting. I was trying to work out, like, what is it that wasn't quite gelling about this? It just doesn't have the magic of the original. Mm. Adam Shankman, the director, 
he has directed some of my favourite movie musicals, Hairspray, yes. Rock yep. of Ages. I really enjoyed Rock of Ages. It was it was critically panned, I think. But what I, was Tom Cruise like in that? Because I haven't seen Rock of Ages. Have you not? You I've have seen to Hairspray. see it. I loved Hairspray. I think he's actually really good. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he was he was Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The piss was taken out of him for his for his performance, but he's sure. actually really good. Okay. Cool. I wondered what is it that's not quite gelling? What's not in the mix? And you know, maybe that there's so many writers. Yeah. There's so many people. What a story by, story by, story yeah, by. Yeah, I don't know. Look, I think I've not, I haven't cracked the Da Vinci Code, but one thing that doesn't feel quite right when you compare it to the original, which is inescapable, mm. you know, when you're coming up to a sequel 15 years later, is that the juxtaposition between Giselle being the fairy tale Disney person, <laughs> juxtaposed a cynical New York person, you mm. know, was lacking in this one because everyone was like Giselle yeah. and there was no difference and it just felt really fucking annoying. Right, yeah. So that's something for me. So it was like watching an animated musical come to life. Which should be wonderful. Mm. But it wasn't wonderful. <laughs> it was just annoying. Yeah, because you need that twist. Yes. Like Enchanted had that subversive twist. Yes. And it didn't really have it here. No. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Why is the prince always an idiot in these <laughs> things? Okay, because James Marsden was hilarious in the original as a fish so out of good. water prince. That, yep. that was, again, subverting those expectations. Mm -hmm. In this one, Patrick Dempsey turns into the exact same character and yeah. I did not understand why he was so hapless and overly enthusiastic and just running around doing random shit that had nothing to do with the story. Yeah. Uh, the troll scene? Yeah. Like, Storming the village? <laughs> it just seemed like, hey, James Marsden's not in this as much. Spoiler alert, yes. he's not. No, he's relegated to a cameo almost. I, I wish he and Adina Menzel were in it more, to be mm. honest. Mm. I love Patrick Dempsey in film. I, I was really excited to hear that he was coming back. Yes. And they completely underutilised him. I completely agree. It's bizarre that they put him into that fairy tale archetype from a character performance mm. perspective because you already had one in James Marsden. Mm. So you're pushing him to the side, giving someone else a go, doing the same thing, mm. but unconvincingly. And what was good in the original is that dynamic with Patrick Dempsey being the prince who comes to rescue Giselle, but she kind of rescues herself. Yes. That was quite nice. Mm -hmm. And in this one, again, I don't want to spoil anything. Mm. It, he doesn't do any rescuing really. He really doesn't do he, much. He really doesn't do much. I didn't understand why. It, what he does is he he <laughs> takes a sword on the train heading into <laughs> New York. I know. Why did he take the why sword? Why didn't he leave it inside the front door before he left the house? I don't understand. Uh, we can't get away from the fact that this is a movie musical. Yeah. And so was the first. Not as much. The first one didn't have as much singing. Like it, yeah, it, it had really singing, had yeah. really key singing. Mm. The singing does get a bit tedious in this sequel, mm. uh, but it's very in keeping with a fairy tale musical. Once the town becomes magical, yes. you can understand why everybody's singing everything, sing talking, yep. blah mm -hmm. blah blah. But why do they do it in the beginning when they're in the real world? Yes, because that's not how it happened in the first film. See, okay, there's another element of why it didn't quite work when you compare it to the original. They're just square peg ran holding the sort of idea, oh, we better sing because uh, they're singing characters. Let's mm. just put them in this scenario. And the charm and the quirkiness and I guess the memorability of the songs from the original weren't felt in this one. A hundred percent. That's exactly what I was going to say. We yeah. were going to talk about the songs later, but let's keep let's, going let's with this, go shall this, we? Yeah. So the songs aren't as catchy. Yeah. You know, that's how you know was so memorable. Yes. That catchy, that's how you know that she loves you. 
but the songs are just not memorable here. No. I couldn't remember anything. I don't remember anything. It's so funny that you call out that song because when Disenchanted ended, mm. the first song that came into my head was that one yeah. from the original. Yeah. I was like, I actually do not recall any melody that I just listened to for two hours. Mm. And that's sad. That's a shame, I think, when, you know, the musical numbers looked spectacular but they just were unmemorable from a melodic perspective. Yes. And what's interesting is the songs are by Alan Menken, who also did the original. Oh, so I had not joined person. those dots. Because I was thinking that the reason some of the magic is missing from the second one is because a lot of the original writers, director mm. weren't involved. But the song composer was the same. Yeah, and he is a fantastic composer. Mm. I guess what it comes down to is that the songs are inspired by the story and the script and we don't have such a tight, cohesive narrative. Mm. I guess the songs are collateral damage to that mm. where they're not really going to hit the mark like they may have in a, in a stronger story like the first one. Yeah, and the fact that they have to sing talk. Mm. Which wasn't happening in the first one. What? What's your position on sing talk? I mean, well, I mean, it's a yeah, the love or hate it. It's you? it's Broadway, isn't yeah, it? Really, it is. and I love it yeah. in the right context. Yes. It didn't feel right for this film. Yeah, I agree with you. If I can call out mm. one song that I actually found quite fun, okay, it was the villain versus villain song, kind mm. of in the middle of the movie. If there was any that I would call out, going ah, my favorite or the one that I enjoyed the most was that one because it was. Very fun, the yeah. two villains of the piece playing against each other. Yes. But I don't remember what it sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a very different style during mm. those fairy tale elements. You know, I think what's missing is that, as we said already, that they're sing talking rather than breaking out into song. Yes. To explain a concept. Mm. Because that's how an animated musical would play out. So I can understand why they did it. It's just the sing talking was too much. Yeah. Should we talk about the performances? Yes. Amy. Delightful Adams oh. is just how I want to refer to her from yes. now on. Isn't she just stunning? She's a master at telling a story with her face yes. and her voice. She's so expressive. Yep. And she brings it here. Yeah. Because, you know, Giselle has to jump between two dichotomies quite quickly and, and she mm. does it so well with that little hand thing oh. that she does, that little fairy tale hand yeah. thing. The physicality of her performance is all there. She lights up the room and dims it, especially when she, mm. you know, juxtaposes and toggles between good and evil. She's an absolute joy to watch yes. on screen. And I tell you what, her voice is stronger than ever. She yes. can belt out a tune. Like, who is this woman? She's far too talented. She's way too talented. Have you ever seen her do the Sriracha Factory story? No. Oh, you got to look this up. She does this dramatic retelling of a sriracha factory closing down and it's a real demonstration. What? It's a demonstration of how she can cry on cue. Ah. And she's done it on a few talk yes, shows. Yes, I've seen her do that. Yes. Oh, my God. And it's all about amazing. this little sriracha factory <laughs> closing down. Um, it's really overly dramatic, but it's okay. very funny. Okay, I'll check um, it out. Yeah. So Patrick Dempsey, as mm. I said as well, character is fairly useless in this. I wanted more of him yeah. and to be more involved in the family dynamic story. Why does Maya Rudolph exist as the evil queen in this? Yeah. I love her again, really think she's fantastic. She's relishing in the challenge of being evil. You can definitely tell she's having I was, fun. I was going to say she didn't seem all that bad. Oh, <laughs> she was actually quite a lovely lady. Yeah, no, no, no she wasn't. <laughs> she wasn't a lovely lady, but the character itself wasn't all that Dastardly, like it's no Susan Sarandon's character from the first one. No, gosh, yes. When you do compare that, she does seem quite muted. She just seems like just 
a bit of a bitch. It's not, not particularly yeah. evil. <laughs> and not even, yeah, like high school bully kind of. Not even that bad. Yes. But it's not her performance. It's the material. Yes. That's it. That's definitely it. And when you pair it with the two minions, it just it's just very weird. It's <laughs> yeah. weird sort of trio playing out there. I do want to call out the actor Gabriella Baldacchino who replaced the original Morgan because mm. the original actress didn't come back. She does have one line in a townsfolk scene though. She appears as a cameo. Oh, that's a bit. Well, she doesn't, she doesn't want to act anymore. So yeah. Oh, she doesn't. No. Okay. No, they didn't They didn't throw her out. Sorry, you're you. not right for the part, but please come and do this <laughs> random shit line in the town no, square. No, no, she didn't want to do it. So that they gave her a little cameo, okay, which that's is really cute. cute. I like but that. But yeah, the actress Gabriella Baldacchino as Morgan, I would love to have seen more of her too. Yes. Somehow, like this movie, how long was this movie? You oh always know. It was, do you want to know specifically? Yeah. <laughs> One hour, 59 minutes. Okay. Um, <laughs> but somehow I feel like we didn't get... A lot of any of the characters. Yeah. It was so long, this movie, and I had a very busy week. I had to watch it in two sittings. And I was like, it, so it felt four hours long to me. So I was like, oh my God, I still have an hour to go. Anyway, that was just my viewing experience, which I guess is a way of letting you in on just how clunky it is and how overstuffed it is and that you have to watch it in two sittings if you don't have enough time. It really, really didn't need to be two hours long. Right. I didn't feel the length of it so much, but I did miss – I missed Adina Menzel as Nancy mm. and James Marsden as Edward. They bring the levity for they a little really bit of it, but more please. And obviously Adina Menzel gets her big song, which her song I really enjoyed. Oh, God. Well, no, carry on. I can't remember what it is either, but it's something about love and memory and whatever. I had to go and clean my ears out after that song. because Why? she. T- Fucking screamed the whole thing. There's this constant sort of, all right, we've got a Adina Menzel in the film. We need her to... Do a frozen number. Do a frozen number. She needs to either smash the windows of your house or raise the roof and alter the foundations of your property. I feel like she was shout singing for a lot of it and it was just a bit much. There was a good song in there, but fuck me, she needs to just turn it down a notch. Right, Tim, I think you're going to have to go wash your mouth out with <gasps> soap. I won't have you saying things like that about Edina Menzel. Well, they've been said. And where's your soap? Yep. <laughs> you better edit this bitch out. <laughs> I've got control. <laughs> No, I love Indina Menzel. I'll have her in anything, please. Scream, shout, sing, whatever. <laughs> Just be in anything, please. I'm still salty that she's not in Wicked. <laughs> or she might be in it. She might be. She might have that one line in the town square. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the costumes and sets. I thought they were gorgeous. Triumphs. Okay. Special effects work for the small screen. Yes. I actually was surprised by how good some of the effects were. A lot mm-hmm. of the magic spingling dust and everything mm-hmm. were amazing yeah. like for, for a Disney Plus original film. The colours were so vibrant yes. in the sets especially mm. and the magic and, and all that kind of thing. Like a cartoon. When they yes. went to Fairytale Land, it was like a cartoon brought yes. to life. It was beautiful. Did you notice the nods to the Disney princesses' costumes on display in the shop when they're trying on dresses? No, I noticed other nods where Morgan is in the town square and she's leaning on the fountain and the water comes Very up behind bell, her. Very bell, yeah. But what were the costumes? I didn't notice Yeah, them. well, there was the Belle's yellow dress was hanging up and Snow White's dress was there Aww. with the little waistcoated thing that she has. Okay, that's cute. Yeah, it was like, a, you know, recreations, I think, obviously, but yeah. it, it recreations, they're <laughs> animations, so of course it's a recreation. <laughs> but Semantics. Yeah, it was nice little nods to the Disney princesses, I thought. In terms of the original looking dresses, the one dress that just blew me away mm-hmm. was the peak dress yes. that Amy Adams wore during that evil number I mentioned yes. before. That was just 
breathtaking. Yeah, I was going to say Amy Adams's dresses were particularly divine, absolutely gorgeous. They were by Joan Bergen, who worked on the Tudors and Camelot TV series. So, you know, she knows the medieval style very well. Yes, and also Vikings, I believe. Oh, yeah? So, I mean, this would have been a fun world for her to play into, less mm. dark and <laughs> sort of like more no one got murdered and <laughs> disenchanted. So I guess that's more, more pretty and frilly. Yeah, pretty and frilly. Yeah, what, right. what age group would you say disenchanted was aimed at? Well, look, I guess this is where that question can be answered in multiple ways. Is it for people like us who are fans of the original film from 15 years ago and so we get that sort of nostalgia kick? But I don't know if how young or old or middle ground it is. I don't know how to answer that question. Or are they throwing everything at the wall and hope it'll hit a wide demographic as Disney often does? I reckon that's that's the strategy It here. felt a little young to me. Right. Well, it's because so much, like all the characters were stuck in fairy tale land. There wasn't enough juxtaposition between real world and fairy tale world. Mm. So that's why it did feel childish because everyone was like, la, 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 la. <laughs> the stakes weren't high enough, maybe either. No, no, <laughs> just full stop. No. Do you think it's time to wrap up a review of Disenchanted? Look, I think we've given it our best shot. Let's wrap it up. I'm sad to say that Disenchanted feels forced and lacks the magic of the original. Amy Adams still delivers a charming performance and the exploration of a stepmother-stepdaughter relationship in the years since we first met Giselle and her new family was a nice way to go with the story, even if it's only developed superficially. I'm giving it two popcorn kernels out of five. Well, unfortunately for me, Disenchanted follows a growing and concerning trend of beloved IP returning with uninspired and lacklustre sequels. Much like Hocus Pocus 2, Disenchanted lacks the disarming charm and quirkiness of the original, leaving you feel underwhelmed. Amy Adams is fantastic, though, and the look of the film is a success, but the clunky, plot-hole-ridden script diminishes any real magical feeling fans of the original might rightly expect. Disenchanted, indeed, I'm going to rate this film to Popcorn Kernels as well. There you have it. Disenchanted is available to stream on Disney Plus from November 18 with a subscription to the service. Do you think fans of the original will enjoy it? I mean, I'm a fan of the original. I did enjoy it on some level. It was it was entertaining enough to watch and looked pretty. Yes, it's nice to see some of the beloved characters return. I just think they'll be not all that, you know, whoa, that was amazing based on what the final product was. But yeah. it's nice to revisit Giselle and that sort of sentiment, but that's mm. about Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. All right, Lee, let's jump into our news and trailer section for the episode. The teaser trailer for Disney Pixar's Elemental dropped this week, and boy, does this film look wonderful. It really does. It's set in Element City where fire, water, land and air residents live together and Ember becomes friends with Wade who challenges her beliefs about the world they live in. Now, Elemental is directed by Peter Son who brought us Disney Pixar's The Good Dinosaur a few years ago Mm. and it features the voices of Leah Lewis and Mamudu Athi as Ember and Wade and will be in Australian cinemas from June 15 of 2023. I can't wait to see this. This looks like a Pixar classic, doesn't it? It's a nice, wrapped up, original story. We've Mm -hmm. had a lot of sequels from Pixar recently, so it's nicer going back into the original story territory here. Can't wait to see it. It was recently revealed that James Wan's Atomic Monster and Jason Blum's Blumhouse are in talks to merge. God help us all. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never sleep again. (laughs) I know. The two horror powerhouses would be coming together as part of Universal Pictures, hell-bent on terrorising us all forever. That is their evil plan. Bring it on. According to The Hollywood Reporter, both studios would operate as separate labels with their own creative autonomy, with Wan's label moving its first look deal from Warner Brothers to Universal, which is the home of Blumhouse. That's the huge shift here. Yeah. It's been a great year for horror in general, and this will see an even higher output of content to come in the years to come, no doubt. We really have seen a lot of horror movies this year, and you know what I'm like watching these things. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really scared about how much... Horror we're going to have to cover next year. James Wan and Jason Blum together is just amazing. Powerhouse. Well, Bradley Cooper has been cast in Spielberg's Bullet remake. It will see Cooper play Frank Bullet based on the classic Steve McQueen character. Yeah, this is believed to be an original film based on a new idea centred on that character. Right. In the original film, Frank Bullet is a no-nonsense San Francisco cop on the hunt for the mob kingpin that killed his witness. I'm keen to see Spielberg play with this character and mm. this and this idea. And Bradley Cooper is like anything he touches turns to gold. Yeah. He's just a formidable force right now. Spielberg seems to be focusing a bit on... Passion projects? Yeah, remaking passion projects like, you know, West Side Story and, and, and now this one. Yeah. But I got, I just... I'm hankering for a Spielberg original and we're going to see The Fablemans very soon. So I cannot wait to see that. That is getting all sorts of Oscar buzz. We're seeing it really soon. Yeah, next week at at the Ritz's... 85th birthday celebrations. Happy birthday, the Ritz. Happy birthday, 85? Mm. My gosh. I had no idea it had been around that long. That's pretty special. The Randwick Ritz. The Randwick Ritz. (laughs) Gorgeous cinema. (laughs) It's beautiful. In some shocking news this week, Bob Iger has been reappointed as Disney's CEO after Bob Chapek's immediate departure. So Chapek was handpicked by Iger, that's awkward, as his successor, but lasted sadly less than three years in the top job, having come from the company's theme parks division. I, I believe he's been put back there as well. I don't know if sadly is the uh, right word. I think people are quite happy to see him go. Yeah, that's right. So Chapek led the Mouse House through significant disruption from the pandemic, forcing its theme parks to 
to close and then the concerns over the profitability of its streaming service, Disney Plus, and the plummeting share prices of late. So mm. he's had a lot to deal with. He's had a lot to deal with. So Iger, whose original tenure as CEO lasted 15 years, he'll serve a two-year stint in the top job as they look to appoint another successor. And Iger said in a statement, I'm extremely optimistic for the future of this great company and thrilled to be asked by the board to return as its CEO. Now, interestingly, but not unexpectedly, Disney did not publish a statement from Chapek. Yeah, they're like, come back, come back, fix it, fix this sinking ship. I mean, the, the sorts of things that Iger did for Disney over his 15-year tenure, it does not surprise me that with a floundering CEO that they would knock on his door and ask him to throw a couple more years into the fire pit and rescue the mouse house. In an interview with Empire, Indiana Jones 5 director James Mangold revealed his approach to the opening scene for the upcoming adventure film where star Harrison Ford will be digitally de-aged. Oh, dear. Oh, it always makes us nervous when it that really gets does. thrown up. It's a dirty word. So DH technology has been used quite a lot in movies yeah. recently. Dramas as well as big budget things like <laughs> yes. The Irishman. Yes, Robert yeah. De Niro. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, Uncanny Valley. With most not delivering particularly convincing results. Do we remain hopeful about this? I am hopeful because... Yes. Well, who were the special effects company involved? Is it ILM? Industrial Light of Magic. Is it ILM? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they really push the boundaries. I don't know if yep. you saw that documentary on Disney Plus recently. Oh, it's on my to-watch list. It's fantastic. And the creative people who work at ILM and the, and the ethos behind what they do is really yep. fantastic. So I think they'll push it until they get it right, especially yep. being a Spielberg film. It's just such a beloved franchise. Yeah. Imagine losing your audience in the opening scene because right? you have unconvincing technology to de-age an 80-year-old <laughs> Harrison know. Ford by however many decades. Yeah. So Mangold said in the interview, I wanted the chance to dive into this kind of full-on George Lucas and Steven Spielberg old picture and give the audience an adrenaline blast. So I, it feels like we're going to get a really authentic indie opening scene because they're all fantastic from, yep. from the original movies. They're iconic. I mean, it's hard to pick the best one, but one of my favourites has to be Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where River Phoenix played a young yes. Indiana Jones and that train horse yes. chase like far out. That is just sensational. And what about the musical number from... Oh, Anything Goes. <laughs> well, it's the, the, this Steven Spielberg up until West Side Story only recently, mm. he always wanted to make a musical. It was something he definitely was like, I need to make a musical. Yeah. That was his first foray into making a musical. It yep. kind of wet his palate enough doing an opening musical number in an Indiana Jones yes. movie. But it's just, it's iconic. I love it. Where he met his Where, yes. future wife. That's it. It worked out for Spielberg. <laughs> did. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, Ford has weighed in on how effective the de-aging looks, saying, this is the first time I've seen it where I believe it. It's a little spooky. I don't think I even want to know how it works, but it works. That's high praise from Harrison Ford because, you know, he is very hard to impress. Yes, he is. Notoriously he's, hard to impress. He's a notorious <laughs> grumpy old man, endearingly so. Yeah. So, you know, you couldn't pay him to say something no. as, <laughs> as nice as this. So the scene that we're talking about here, so it's a set piece that takes us back all the way back to 1944, set in a castle swarming with Nazis going back towards the Raiders era indie. So that excites me because, yeah. you know, Indiana Jones and Nazis, I mean. <laughs> Classic. Match made in heaven. Classic. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. I'm very, very 
excited. Watch this space. Can't wait to see the film. All right, Lee, that about wraps it up for another jam-packed episode of Popcorn Podcast. We reviewed Disney Plus original film, Disenchanted. And as a reminder, you can see that on Disney Plus from November 18 with a subscription to the streaming service. And as always, friends, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. We have a website, popcornpodcast.com. Make sure you check it out. We've got all our episodes up there for you. If you'd like to get to know us a little better, there's an About Us section and we run ticket giveaways. So keep an eye on the website for more information. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.